The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good evening and welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're broadcasting from the Maple Knoll Radio Network here in the Cincinnati area. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and Real Life Real Estate Investing, as always, strives to be your public radio source for information and inspiration to start or grow your own real estate investing business. The Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati is holding a free open to the public half-day workshop this Saturday about the tri-state market in 2015 and what local real estate entrepreneurs are doing to uh, make money in a market where inventory is light, rents are high, distressed property uh, distressed properties are, are going up in price and... Fixed-up properties are not going up equivalently. It'll be a great review for those of you who are already in the business and a great orientation for those of you who are not. Again, it is open to the public. There is no charge. It is Saturday 9 to noon, but you need to RSVP at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's com. Tonight on Real Life Real Estate Investing, we are talking about what is going on in today's market and having that discussion with Dwan Bent Twyford, who is a 25-year veteran of the real estate investing business. Most of you know her as the queen of short sales, although like most experienced real estate investors, she does lots and lots of other things. Dwan got started as a divorced mom who was just looking for something to do to be able to stay home and raise her child, made $22,000 on her first deal, and has never looked back. She's joining us by phone from her home in Colorado. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate, Dwan. Hey, girl. What's up? (laughs) Well, I'm really glad to hear the sound of your voice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I know. I was like, Fina! Yeah, so as 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 everybody who is on real life real estate's notification list knows, we were supposed to have this conversation last week, but we had some uh, disconnects with communication and whatnot and uh so where this week would normally be question and answer week, last week was question and answer week and today we get to have this discussion that Yay! I've been looking forward well, to for all this time. Well, once I realized I blew it on the radio, I thought, well, Vina is such a pro. She can pull something out of her hat, and nobody will even miss a bit. <laughs> yes. But, you know, I actually did want to just say something about that real quick before we start. Um, so some of you know I was supposed to be on last week, 
And I really did have it written down in my book for this week. But what happened is I got a call on Monday that one of my aunts had cancer. So this is the thing about real estate investing that's so great. It really does give you money. And I always tell people, you know, money can't buy you happiness. But what money gives you is freedom. And last week was a perfect example. I got a call on Monday. I was on an airplane from Colorado Tuesday. I flew to Dayton, Ohio to drive my 80-year-old parents uh, to Tennessee, which is what we were doing Wednesday, driving to Tennessee, visited my aunt, stayed the whole week, drove my parents back to Ohio, and came back home. And if I had a regular job, a 9-to-5, a boss, and all those things like that, I could not have just taken off like that. You know, you would like lose vacation days or points or something. And I had the money, I had the wherewithal. I was able to jump on a plane in just a couple hours notice. I was able to go and help family. And I always tell people when I'm talking about real estate, you know, when you're a good investor and you make a lot of money and you're doing great and you have a great team, this is exactly why being an investor is so great. When you have something come up that's important, you can just drop everything and go take care of it and not worry about what's going on, you know, back at the office. Because, you know, I mean, this is just exactly why we do this is how I was looking at it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's what most folks who are in the real estate investing business or who are looking to get into the real estate investing business are looking for is the money only as it relates to the freedom. I mean, who needs a million dollars in the bank? Right. That doesn't, that doesn't do anything for you. <laughs> having having the money and the freedom, though, to do the things that you uh, want to do and need to do for your friends and family and yourself is uh, sort of the entire goal. So uh, let's talk about. What... So I apologize again. No, it's it's fine. <laughs> by the time my phone actually rang, my dad is crazy. He's from Ohio. He's from Tennessee. Lives in Dayton. So he likes to take all these back like back roads. My dad, listen, I'm a highway driver, man, just point A, point B. No, we're going to get off at Mount Vernon and go down this highway road. So somewhere along the way, we hit this little hilltop, and my phone rang. I was like, oh, I can't believe it. I have signal. But it was Zach. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be on the radio. <laughs> I said, I'm in the boondocks. I said, I'm in the literal boondocks. Like, like there are people that have outhouses in their yards here. I'm in the real life boondocks. <laughs> it's 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 all good we managed to we um, managed to do a show anyway <laughs> i took so many pictures i was just like where how am i cut from the same cloth as these people <laughs> i was taking pictures of everything outhouse all kinds of stuff i'm like lord have mercy and they were probably making fun of the city girl take, taking pictures of the place they go to the bathroom oh i know it's crazy <laughs> so like, seriously. um Dawn, you you've been a guest on the show a number of times in the last 20 years and mostly our discussion has been around short sales but uh you know the market's different now than it was last Mm -hmm. time we talked what is it that you're that you're doing right now in your real estate business well you know like you said i've you know started off doing short i started off rehabbing actually and after three or four years of rehabbing i discovered wholesaling and i was like "Ooh, real estate jackpot and I started wholesaling, and then, you know, I started finding houses that didn't have enough equity, and just truly by accident, started calling banks up and getting banks to take short sales. And for those of you that are new, basically that means you just get the bank to take less than what's owed against the property. 
And so for the last, you know, 15 years or so, we've just been rolling along, finding houses, doing short sales, selling them to rehabbers and landlords, and just flipping and flipping and flipping, wholesaling just for years and years and years and years. And then, of course, the market tanked, and all of a sudden, you know, people are losing houses in record number. I think over the course of four or five years there, there were over 4 million completed foreclosures, which is just a staggering number. And there's 1.4 million bankruptcies a year right now. And the people that are filing bankruptcy, uh, 85% of those people are filing bankruptcies to stop the foreclosure sale of their house. So the foreclosure market itself, it hasn't really slowed down as much as the media would like you to think that it has. So the, the people found bankruptcy are doing it because they're in foreclosure. So Bill and I thought, you know, there's just so many houses sitting around abandoned. I mean, you know, Vina, these banks take these houses back, and then they sit there sometimes for two years, and they're just vacant. So we thought, you know, this might be a good time to kind of jump back in and start doing a little bit of rehabbing and maybe getting some of these houses cheap and keeping them for some rentals and some landlording and some things like that. So we actually have started recently getting back into the rehab business, um, buying houses that are bank-owned, always, of course, from a homeowner when I can, uh, working with about doing a lot of REOs, and we've been fixing them up and we've been selling them. And we've been taking also uh, houses that we do come across where people have no equity. We've been taking all these no equity houses subject to and turning them into rentals. So we're on like this mad craze right now of turning everything into either a rehab or a rental because there's just so many properties. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, when we come back from the break, we're going to dig a little bit further into some of the hows of why you're doing the things that you are right now. We also want to invite listener calls at 877-772-9658. If you're listening at work and you don't want your boss to know, uh, you can send us an email. You just go to realliferealestate.com, click the Ask a Question button, tell us where you are writing from, hit the Send button, and we'll get it here by email. That's realliferealestate.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Dwan Bent-Twyford. If you happen to be listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing through our podcast, remember that we are a live radio show and that you can listen and participate on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. on WMKV 89.3 or WLHS 89.9 in the greater Cincinnati area or live streaming anywhere in the world at WMKVFM.com. O-R-G. You can also ask questions 24 hours a day, seven days a week at realliferealestate.com. Although I won't answer them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I will answer them on Wednesdays between 5 and 6 Eastern time here on the show. If you're listening to us live, you might notice that we have the podcast on realliferealestate.com with about 200 shows from past weeks, months, and years. Uh, So you can download those and listen to Real Life Real Estate pretty much for the whole rest of your life all the time. There are just so many shows there. Um, My guest today is Dwan Bent-Twyford. We're talking about uh, sort of, you know, where, where are experienced people going in the market today, given the 
new market conditions that we have. And um, Dawn, I think you'll agree it's it, it's been easy to get whiplash in the real estate market over the past five years. It's it's oh. changed drastically and then changed drastically again and new laws and regulations and the way people are doing things. And then it, you know, rents go up, vacancies go down. It's 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 been crazy. It's been so crazy. I have to tell you, you know, I, I start, my daughter's 26 now. So I started back, you know, like you said, about 25 years ago. And things just seemed like they rolled along for so many years. It was just really good. Wholesaling was good. Like, it seemed like a long, like, 10 or 15-year stretch of just, like, the best ever. And then it just, it's like someone dropped a bomb on real estate. <laughs> mm-hmm. It well, sounds so crazy. Well, and, you know, I think I think the last time the market probably um, had had an upheaval and a, a, a change the way that it did, uh, in, you know, in 2007, 2008, was back in the 80s when inflation was so high, um, yeah. you know, interest rates were 18%, adjustable, because, you know, they could keep going up, so no bank wanted to give you a fixed rate loan. And, uh, of course, we had at that time the uh, savings loan crisis, which mm-hmm. ended up dumping a whole, whole, whole bunch of properties on the market. The government um, actually took over those properties in that case. And so there were a lot of, you know, distressed houses on the market at, at very cheap prices. And I came in way at the tail end of that. So things had, things had pretty well settled down at that point yeah. and, and rates were dropping and, you know, there weren't, there weren't, uh, so many of those, you know, resolution trust corporation properties on the market. I think I may have seen one or two when I got started in 1989. But I can tell you from having grown up in a family of real estate investors that it is in those times of upheaval when people are able to build fortunes by buying and holding properties. You know, my my, my father would tell you that he, he was a multimillionaire because he was a genius. But the reality was he was buying when other people weren't buying. That's a good sense. You know, that is, that's what we're doing up here. We, here's what we start doing. Because, you know, I, I'm still a huge fan of we go knock on doors once a month. We put out bandit signs. You know, we still do those things because my phone rings off the hook. And I probably average about 20 phone calls every day from homeowners calling off my signs. But right now, when someone calls me off a sign, I am really only interested in, are you ready to walk away from this house? And if you are, and I can make the numbers work as far as a, um, a rent payment, I'm, we're just, like, collecting rentals. But I mean, like, tons of them. Any single person that says, hey, listen, I'm done, I just want to wait, I just want to walk away, I'm like, I'll take it, honey, I'll make it turn into a rental. And so we have been collecting, like, an unprecedented amount of rentals. And then what we start, you know, because we do go out in neighborhoods and we do go door knocking, we, we notice, and we do this all over the country, because, you know, we do those apprentice trainings where we fly to people's homes and we work with them in their area. So over the last five years, we've worked in just, you know, just about every major state, and we see it all over the whole country. It's not just where I live or where you live. Everywhere, there are just hundreds and hundreds of vacant houses. And when you go up to the door and look on the stickers, they've been vacant for two, three, four years. Just hundreds of them. So the banks clearly don't have you know, the time or the, 
to staffing, to do anything with these houses, and they just sit forever. And then when they come on the market by you know that time, most of them are so trashed that really only an investor is the only person who can do something with them. Because mm-hmm. a regular homeowner, they're not going to take a house that's just destroyed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and we particularly see that in um, in neighborhoods that are are more rental neighborhoods. I mean, not that mm-hmm. a house sitting vacant for two years in a in an upscale area doesn't just naturally sort of start to fall apart, but uh, there 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 there's so many of those in rental areas. And when um, when the the little homeowners associations in those areas that are are very often very politically active. Mm-hmm. come forward and they say, you know, investors are, they're just stealing these houses. And if they would stop buying them, then homeowners could move, move in here or move back into this neighborhood. And, and, you know, I just want to say, have you been in these houses? I mean, <laughs> what, what homeowner is going to be able to afford to both buy the property, even as, even if it's cheap and then replace the wiring, replace the plumbing, put in a new furnace, uh, you know, take take care of the fact that the roof's been leaking for two years and the kitchen ceiling's collapsed and, you know, and the thing's moldy and, you know, that's it, there, there has to be an investor involved who's mm-hmm. who has the, the, the time and the energy and the wherewithal to get in there and turn it back into something that can be lived in. And the idea that the problem in these neighborhoods is that investors are buying the properties is is so laughable. It's <laughs> and, a solution. <laughs> exactly. To anyone, to anyone who's actually been in these houses, you know, it, it's or or, or, or alternative, they, alternatively, they want them torn down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if if a house can be uh, redone in a way that is um, profitable to someone because you know mostly most of these folks who are doing this are just people right they're not these big companies that are coming in and making all this money or something just people who are trying to you know supplement their retirement income or something uh then tearing it down is a real waste because who's who's going to rebuild a new house in some of these neighborhoods right if it can if it can be saved and there's someone out there willing to save it Mm -hmm. and it can be done with private money why would you not want that done in your neighborhood I hate to tear down houses. I just know that, you know, and I, I mean, I'm not, you know, all into like fully restoring houses to, you know, their original grandeur because once you go back into stuff like that, you get involved in the historical society and, you know, you know the stuff you have to, hoops you have to jump through. But I really do kind of like to kind of put it back like it was, but just better. Mm-hmm. You know, add the modern things, add the nicer things. So that's kind of what we've been doing. We've been finding houses. Um, cause, well, in Colorado, you know, we have a lot of houses, you know, and well, you know where we live. We're in the mountains. So for folks that don't know, we live at 9,000 feet. So we are in a fairly remote area. So when a house sits vacant up here, it sits through a couple of winters with all the snow and freezing pipes and just all the things that happen, a house can get a lot of damage just in a year up here, especially if we get a lot of snow. And so what we're doing is we're finding houses that that really are like major rehabs. Like the average person would just go, oh, my, no, I can't do it. So we are actually actively looking for the houses that are kind of standing up by a toothpick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because I, I started rehabbing 25 years ago. I rehabbed for five years. Well, before I became a full-time wholesaler, Bill rehabbed for 10 
And then he's always rehabbed ever since because he loves to build things. So we are really looking, I think, for houses that maybe uh, an average brand-new rehabber might be afraid of. But we're looking for houses that really are trash. And we're just making them bigger, like the house we're working on right now. Um, it was, I don't know, it started off about 900 square feet. We doubled the size of the house. We put on log siding. We put all these logs in the house. We did all this custom stuff. And we paid 90000 for the house. We have, let me make sure I got my numbers right. We have 70 in rehab. So we're at 150 but it will probably sell for three twenty-five. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, I'll do that all day long. <laughs> cannot argue with those numbers. <laughs> um. It's really, it's on YouTube. You go to my YouTube page. We've been videotaping like every single day. Everything we do, we do like a five-minute video of something. and So people can kind of follow along on what we've been doing in this house. But you know what we did? We took, like, uh, here's a perfect example for somebody. This house had a really nice, like a wraparound porch, but the entire porch was part of the roof line. So it had a solid roof, had a solid porch. We just enclosed all of that, and by enclosing that all the way around the house and then right below it, we were able to take this little three-bedroom, one-house, kinky, tiny house, and now it's a big, spacious 4-2. That's almost 2,000 square feet. Hmm. And all we did was just enclose where the roof line that's already there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna we're gonna bring this discussion around to yeah, but you're not a beginner. What should a beginner be doing? And we're also going to take uh, calls at eight seven 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 two nine six five eight, or you can send us an email by going to our website at realliferealestate.com. You can. Uh, Enter your question there and uh, send it on in. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. My guest today is Dwan Bent Twyford, and Dwan is one of 15 national experts who is going to be presenting at this year's OREA National Real Estate Strategies Summit, which is uh, first weekend in November. Once again, I believe it's the 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th. I just messed up my calendar on my computer to the point where it is looking at 2099. And <laughs> although I'm sure that somehow I will still get stuck doing the OREA convention in 2099. Um, uh, you probably will. <laughs> <laughs> no, they'll, they'll, they'll like take my brain out, put it in a robot. And then say, yeah, it's still your job. Uh, November the 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th are the dates. And uh, Dwan and her husband, Bill, are presenting an all-day workshop on November the 5th. You can get some more information about that at oreaconvention.com. But what you really need to do is hold tight because in about a month, we're going to make a special offer for real-life real estate listeners to attend all four days of that event and get some special bonuses. So just, you know, keep listening to Real Life Real Estate and we'll tell you how to do that and also support public radio. Um, all right. So, Dawn, you're, you're, doing, you're doing rehabs that cost $150,000 all in. And I have yeah. a feeling that there's people out there saying, well, that's great for you. <laughs> but I am, for the <laughs> I'm still working a job and trying to figure out how to make some money in real estate. So what what are you saying to those people? Well, you know, I think um, 
I still think people should try and start off wholesaling. I mean, you still do wholesaling. I still do wholesaling. I still think the very easiest, the path of least resistance is wholesaling houses. So I'm still a very firm believer. If this is your first deal and you are as a newbie as a newbie can be, you need to wholesale a couple of houses first, uh, get a little bit of money in the bank accounts, maybe jump on some of these deals and do some subject twos and add some rentals into your portfolio because you can basically do those with no money down as well. But I do think it's a good market to get in for um, rehabbing because what we have, Vina, is we have a really interesting, uh, what's the word? Like we have an interesting timeline going on right now. You had all these people that lost their houses, and all of them were forced to go and become renters. Well, now a lot of those people, like from 7, 8, 9, 10, all those people that have been renters, now they're tired of being renters, and they'd like to buy another house, but they can't really afford a house as nice as what they had. Maybe their credit's not fixed yet, but they want home ownership, but they need to move into like a lesser type of a neighborhood. So I rate my neighborhoods on a one through five, one uh, being like if a bomb went off, nobody would know the difference, and five, really nice, HOA's up your butt, everything's got to be great. So we're looking for houses in twos and threes. So maybe someone that lives in a three neighborhood needs to now live in a two neighborhood, but they'd really like to own a house again. So you're finding people that have been saving some money, um, they can afford to buy something, but they can't afford to buy something as as nice as they had. And it's like you were saying, maybe they're going to buy something that's in a heavier uh, rental area. But as those rental areas start getting more and more buyers, then the rental areas will kind of they'll they'll keep moving. And so for someone that would be a newer investor, I would tell them to start like in um, a two or two plus neighborhood. And around the country, the prices can be so different. But I know in Ohio, at least in Dayton, I know you can get houses for twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars that are pretty nice houses. So you know, in Colorado, that's not the case. You know, in Denver, it's not the case. And you know, if you're in LA, you can't even get like you know a stripe in a parking lot for that. So it just kind of depends on where you live. But I think if people can start off and they can wholesale a couple houses and now they've got a little bit of cash. They say, you know, I really wouldn't mind trying this rehabbing. I can sell it to an end user, make a pretty good amount of money. I think then people will just really take the time to study the property, go look into the basements. Are there are there areas that can be closed in? Is there like a, a enclosed patio or porch that could become part of the house? Is there a wall inside the house? Like just because the kitchen is over on the left hand side doesn't mean the kitchen has to stay there you know it's kind of like you know if you do think of like legos you can you know move the walls around move things around and position things differently without spending a lot of money and give the house a more open concept or a bigger feel or something along those lines and as long as something is not a load-bearing wall just by moving a few walls and everybody can build a wall you put up some two by fours on some drywall, you throw on some mud, you sand it down. I mean, everybody can move some walls around. And I think if people would just kind of 
reorganize what's within the frame of the house, they'd be surprised how little it would actually cost and how modern they can make the house without getting into a giant rehab. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we did that with the house that we're working on now. We moved the kitchen to the other, really just to the other side, like exactly where it was, is exactly on the opposite wall. But by moving the kitchen over there, then we were able to make the bedroom bigger. So we moved the bedroom out a couple of feet. And on the inside of the house, really, we just moved walls around. Mm-hmm. You know, and so people can do a lot to a house without putting a lot of money into a house. You know, and like today, <laughs> my kids are so rotten. We were, I went over there this morning, so we're doing, we're putting on um, the knockdown. We're doing the texturing on the walls. So we've got a big mud bucket. We're shooting knockdown. Ayla grabs the the uh, sprayer and literally sprayed me from my head <laughs> to my toe, covered in drywall mud, every square inch. I was like, <laughs> what is wrong with my children? <laughs> but you can have fun, too. But, you know, we moved the front door, like the front, you know, like you can move the front door from the side to a different side of the house and move the living room. And someone with very little money could just go in and just relay out a house, especially, I know what the house is in, in a, you know, a lot of the houses in Dayton and Cincinnati, and there everyone's got rooms. There's a lot of rooms, you know. They're not a lot of big open concepts on the older houses anyway. And people with very little experience and very little money can just reorganize what's there. And you and in a lot of those houses, you pull the carpet up, there's beautiful hardwood floor underneath. And there's so many little things people can do that really don't cost very much money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and we buy supplies, like this house we're doing right now. We got online on Craigslist. We found a guy that had... Um, a bunch of sheetrock and, you know, sheetrock at Home Depot is like $20 a piece. Well, the guy sold it for $8. So we took a trailer down and bought, I don't even know. We we have so much sheetrock out of it, I can't even tell you. We found another guy that had some windows and beautiful windows. He paid $35,000 for the windows. He was getting uh, losing his house in foreclosure that weekend. He said, if you're giving me four grand, you can have all these windows. We have like 150 windows. <laughs> did he take them out of the house? What? <laughs> did he just, did he have them in his basement or was he like taking the house apart before the bank he took it? He <laughs> had them in like, he, uh, I, t- I guess, intended to be like a window guy. And he had um, like a big giant barn. And, you know, and he's like, you got to come pick them up. We're like, oh, yeah, you know. So we went and we saw the amount of windows. We were like, oh, my gosh. We had to go hire, like, three guys just off the street. Can you come help us move these windows? We have, you know, two days to move them. But, I mean, there's so much stuff out there. So we put windows in the house that we have now, and these are, like, floor-to-ceiling windows. And I've still got, you know, (laughs) I've got, like, 10 in the new house. I've got, like, 140 windows outside. (laughs) And so we look around for deals for supplies. So we've got all kinds of windows. We have all kinds of sheetrock. We bought scaffolding. We have so much scaffolding. And so we're always on Craigslist looking for people that have those kind of things. People will sell beautiful big bowls, things still in the box that are $200 new. People sell them on Craigslist for $25. So you can rehab a house so inexpensively if you get on Craigslist and look for stuff, you know, look for the, the material and the things for the houses. 
It's really shocking how cheap we did so many things at this house. Our expense in this house is because we decided to add on the additional square footage, which got us into electrical, plumbing, heat, things that are a little bit, you know, pricier. Um, but but my niece, she's in Troy, Ohio, not real far from you, and she bought an older house, and she sent me a sample. That's the, here's the old floor plan. We're going to move these walls around, and this house is the cutest house ever. And it looks completely modern and beautiful, and they only have like five or six thousand bucks in it. Hmm. Well, good good tip about Craigslist, and of course, there's also uh, building supply auctions that you can go mm-hmm. to from time to time. Um, our my my email box is filling up with basically the same question over and over and over again, which is, what do you think of short sales? <laughs> <laughs> in the market today. I've got I've literally got a question here from Lucy in uh, New Jersey and Tom in Northern Kentucky, both asking exactly the same question. What is the queen of short sales doing in the way of short sales these days? Well, <laughs> we're still doing short sales. We are still doing them. We do them all the time. I still teach my students. I'm like, look, if you're going to buy a house and you're going to deal with the homeowner, there's a 99% chance there's going to be no equity. So if there's no equity at all, you need to contact the bank and see if the bank will do a short sale. I have students all day long that are getting houses at 40 and 50% of the property, the retail value of the property. And they're doing short sales. And the thing is, they passed one of those laws. And I can't, like I'm having a senior moment. I can't think of exactly what it is. But the bank has to give you an answer back in like 48 hours as to, you know, if they'll consider the short sale or not. So you're able to find out right away if the bank will do it. Doesn't mean it will happen right away. But, you know, you upload things onto the equator system. The banks are now assigning reps again, letting you talk to the reps on the phones directly. Uh, Once you've done two or three short sales at one bank, you can hang on to that rep's phone number and call them back directly. So things are starting to kind of fall back to the old way where you could get someone's number, like say you worked for Lost Event, and I could call and say, hey, Venus Swan, we did those last three deals together. I've got another one, and we can talk about it. So things are kind of going back to that old way of being able to talk to the people at the bank, get a rapport with a loss mitigation rep, and then call them back the next time you get a house and, and keeps the the deal rolling. But I've got so many people in the last couple of months that have sent me copies of checks on houses they wholesaled, and all of them bought the house for 50% or less. Every single one that has sent me a copy of their check recently, they all bought them at 50%. So they tacked on, you know, 10% and sold it to a landlord or a rehabber for 60 and they're they're really doing a lot of houses. But now we're finding that a lot of short sales are in the lower range neighborhoods. Uh-huh. In the pricier areas, the banks are still kind of hanging on to the houses. They're trying to get homeowners to do loan modifications. They're not letting those houses sit like they are in the lower end houses, which is why we are like on a one to five houses, like I said, one the worst, five the best. We're working solid two, two plus three, three. That's it. Mm-hmm. Two, two plus, three minus, and threes. And we're staying in that exact niche 
everywhere in the country that were working. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, when we get back from the break, we're going to answer the other listeners who have sent emails via the real estate goddess dot. Uh, nope, wrong. RealLifeRealEstate.com site. We'll also take your calls if you have any last-minute questions for Dwan at 877-772-9658. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Davina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Dwan Bent-Twyford. You can always stay in touch with Real Life Real Estate on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Real Life Real Estate Radio or by joining our email list at RealLifeRealEstate.com. Most weeks we have a special exclusive offer for listeners of some sort or another that uh, if you're on our list, you will simply receive an email about that. Most recently we did a five-week wholesale quick start class and have had other things throughout the year. So make sure that you are in touch at RealLifeRealEstate.com. Uh, We're talking today about just sort of like the market and what people who have been around the market a long time are observing about the market and how it works. And uh, Duana, of course, is a short sale expert, wholesaling expert, uh, guest at the upcoming OREA National Real Estate Strategies Convention. Uh, Duana, what is your feel for the bounce back of the market? We're getting these weird, conflicting... You know, prices are up, inventory's down, and yet a report came out yesterday that said home ownership is at the lowest point in literally 50 years. Like since 1967, home ownership is, 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 is lower than it's ever been. So what is, what, is, what is your feel about the bounce? I, 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 I agree with that. Home ownership is so low right now. Banks don't want to lend any money out. I mean, like, you literally have to, like, give them your firstborn child to get money for a house right now. And it's hard, you know. And that's why, um, I guess kind of why we kind of are getting into the rehab market a little bit so that when we do sell these houses retail, we can offer, like, you know, everything you can offer, you know, 3% for, you know, closing credit, the repair credit, this credit, that credit, everything in the whole world to try to help people. But the thing is, we are at a point right now where a lot of the people that were renters, they really do want to own homes again. And they just can't afford what they used to be able to afford. And the things that are cheaper have been sitting so long that they're trash. And so I feel like if every investor in America would just rehab like, you know, five houses in the next 12 months, so many homeowners could get back into the market. But all that stuff where it looks like it's all bouncing back, I don't think so. I see vacant houses, you know, 10 sometimes in just a couple block area. I see people all day, they're like, I've been trying to get, I can't get a loan. You know, I need some kind of, that's why we're doing the subject twos, so we can give people owner financing, turn them into rentals or owner financing. I see people all the time struggling and trying to get back into the home ownership market, and they're just not able to. People are making less money. You know, a lot of people quit looking for jobs. Credit's not fixed yet. Banks are still being, you know, sticky about it. And I I just don't see this great big giant turnaround. Mm -hmm. Now, Now, I will say, though, in Colorado, it is different in Colorado, because since we have legalized weed, Colorado has grown so much 
It is shocking to watch. But, Seriously. But but who's buying houses? Aren't they all sitting around stoned? I mean... No, you know what? I'll tell you what happened. And this was, I think, a really unexpected thing, because it's on our news a lot. Um, you know, the medical marijuana, the medical side of the medical marijuana has been uh, proven now that for these children and adults that have seizures, once they take that first pill, they never have another seizure. So what's happening is we are averaging 700 families a day moving into the state of Colorado that have kids that are sick. So these people are coming in, they want to buy houses. There's not enough houses, so they're all renting. So they're driving our market up. Like, our market has gone up 30% since they legalized weed. And it's because, so now we have this dilemma where it's like, oh, my gosh, we don't have enough doctors. We don't have enough nurses. We don't have enough medical buildings. So we have all this crazy construction going on um, because of the, the actual health benefit of it. But on the other side of the coin, it's like, should have my neighbors are all growing pot now. <laughs> so you drive to the neighborhood and everything reeks of pot. It's like, seriously? <laughs> oh, first world problems. Um. Uh, I know. My guy right across the street from me, right across, he has so much weed growing in his backyard and the dude smokes all day. And it just blows right into my yard. I'm sitting outside like, yep, Trey's over there smoking him some weed. <laughs> Oh my! Well, we'll see uh, with the with the economic boom that that marijuana has caused in almost every state where it has been legalized. Uh, we'll see how many other states uh, do that. I, was, I know there's an initiative. On I really there. wish, if anything, they would do it for the medical because I see stories on the news every single solitary day of all these kids. Like one little boy, he was having 200 seizures a day. He came here, he started the medical marijuana, he never had another one. And I see stories every single day of all these kids that have all these problems that the medical marijuana in the pill form, you know, not getting high, but it's curing them. I'm like, oh, my God, who who knew it would do all that? But then, other side of the coin, you go down to Denver and you go walk through the park, and everybody's sitting around in their blankets, and they're just, like, smoking joints out in the open. It's like, hello, there are children around here. <laughs> all right, so... Um yeah, moving, but they're not violent. Moving, moving away from real high real estate and back to real life real estate. Um, I actually uh, just just now, while I was uh, looking through the the questions here, received an email from uh, Ray Alcorn uh, with a link to a Wall Street Journal article about how rent to own homes are making a huge comeback, and that a lot of the same um, hedge fund players that we saw in the rental business two years ago are now betting on the lease option business, Mm -hmm. uh, probably because of the exact same thing that you just talked about, which is people want houses Mm -hmm. and they can't qualify for mortgages. And that is exactly what I'm going to talk about when I speak at the Ohio Rhea is we're going to talk to people, find houses with no equity turn them into a rental for yourself or turn them into a rent-to-own because people are lining up for rent-to-own and they've got fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars $25,000 down. Their credit isn't good enough yet. So we are, I'm telling you, record number rent-to-owns right now like, like I've never done before. So many. And that's what all my students are doing because there's just people lining up that really just want to leave still 
and people lined up like I want to own a house. I don't care what I have to do. I'll rent to own whatever it takes to own a house again. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. those are the top two things: rent to own, get a few rehabs going, and always flipping houses. <laughs> All right. Well, we are out of time uh, for Real Life Real Estate this evening and uh, look forward to seeing you at your all-day workshop uh, at the OREA National Real Estate Summit on, in your case, November 5th. Uh, Event is November 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th. And again, stay tuned to Real Real Life Real Estate to hear more about that and to get a very special offer for listeners only. We will be back next week with more information. Thank you, honey. It was so much fun. You too. Bye, everybody. (laughs) We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.